you're listening to Honey in the Heart, a podcast dishing out the nitty gritty on how to have healthy, connected, drama-free relationships. Through vulnerable storytelling, practical teachings, and inspiring interviews, we explore how to navigate all matters of the heart. I'm your host, Mackenzie Eason. I'm a love and relationship coach devoted to helping women understand their emotions, communicate with confidence, and reclaim their power in the face of fear or manipulation. After my own journey healing from toxic relationships and spiritual bypassing, I'm all about speaking truth and pointing to the holiness of our humanness. If you're vibing with the podcast, be sure to sign up in the show notes to become a love letter insider. This is basically my monthly newsletter community space where I continue these combos, answer your personal questions, and give you the behind the scenes of my own relationship. Now take a nice big breath in, feel your precious heart, and let's dive in. What's up, y'all? Welcome to today's show. So in today's episode, I am going to be talking about how to go from fighting to delighting in your relationship. This is actually a portion of a free webinar that I did for my people a couple months ago, and it was so valuable that I wanted to share a little bit of it with you guys today. So I'll be sharing four of my top essential communication tools that will help you stay out of drama or that fighting dynamic with your partner. And before I dive in, I will say that communication is really a layered thing. There's a lot to it, um, and I'm, it's one of my favorite things to teach about. And the nuances and the intricacies of communication, they're real. And I find that communication is way more than just saying what's on your mind. Uh, there's, like I said, there's layers to it. There's body language, there's energetics, there's a lot of these unspoken dynamics that happen. Um, so I'm going to do my best today to give you a couple tools to start that process. And what I found is that these tools can be just an amazing start to that journey. And it's something that, of course, it's helpful if both people are on board and interested in doing these things. But what I have found is that even if it's just one person in the relationship willing to try this on and practice this, that it can start to unpack and kind of unlock some of the tension and the dynamics that, let's just say, haven't been going well. As much as we wish, like really, really wish, Um, I know some people would say if they had that one uh, wish from a genie that this would be it. And that is that wishing our partners were 100% psychic. Well, actually, I take that back, actually. (laughs) If our partners were 100% psychic, uh, there would be some challenges with that, too, because that would mean everything um, they would be aware of, which, you know, boundaries. <laughs> but uh, but the idea of, like, wishing that our partners could just know what we need, know our feelings, know the logistics without us having to translate it. And it's not often the case that you're with a psychic partner. 
And so this is why communication and and cultivating the craft of it and really practicing it is so important. Um, It's a big part of relationship are, are your feelings, vulnerability. As you know, relationships are a vehicle for your old stuff coming up. And being human is freaking messy. So we as individuals within a unit of two, we need to be able to translate our inner realm, so those feelings, the vulnerability, the, our inner process, uh, so that it offers a bridge to connection with our partners. And if we don't do this, um, we eventually will start to drift. You'll start to miss each other. And conflicts are inevitable, right? You're not the same person. But if we don't have the tools to repair and we don't continually practice and aim to communicate with more clarity and heart, we really start to miss the opportunity to grow and learn and realign within ourselves and in the relationship. So my guess is that one of these scenarios sounds familiar So one minute, you're in the kitchen, you're talking dinner plans, and before you know it, your arms are crossed, your voice is definitely raised, even though you totally deny it, and your partner has started to feel more like an enemy than your sweetheart. Or maybe it's this, you're about to go to sleep, and you bring up a sensitive topic while you're lying in bed. And let's just say it doesn't doesn't exactly go well. So the walls go up and you suddenly find yourself lying in bed with your back turned to your partner and your heart is shut down. And what makes these scenarios worse is that you've had this same fight before and your body aches each time you and your partner miss each other, you say hurtful things and just round and round you go. And it's tricky because often we have the best intentions And yet it doesn't go well and you're left feeling frustrated, disconnected, and honestly a little isolated. So these scenarios, let's just call it like it is, it totally sucks. And it makes sense because sharing difficult emotions, navigating needs and wants, it's really tricky heart stuff that most of us weren't taught how to do. And actually, many of us grew up with the opposite. So seeing and being exposed to dysfunctional models of communication. So this is where, uh, I guess, self-responsibility comes in and that you can get engaged in a process of learning new ways, more functional, effective ways to communicate that'll serve your life and your relationship. And this is so important. Again, I know I'm speaking to a lot of the reasons why it's important, but it's just because I really, really believe in this. Another reason why it's so great to work on your communication is because it makes it so conflict is actually a portal for closeness and growth. And that's often opposite than what many of us think. I know for myself, I would just avoid conflict like the plague. Like I would do all sorts of weird shit to avoid a moment of conflict or ruffling feathers. And turns out that doesn't really work, right? It it just brews 
the conflict more and creates more um, damage. And the truth about conflict, especially if we meet it in this way, when we practice good communication and really do our inner work, it's actually a window for more closeness and connection because through it, you you have deeper understanding of your partner, right? So if you get to the heart of the matter, you can understand what's alive in you, understand what's alive in your partner because conflict happens when we have you know, t- two people that have different wants or needs or ideas, different viewpoints, so they can bump into each other. And conflict goes haywire when that bumping into isn't met well, right? And it just creates more and more disconnect and kind of gets into like a battle mode. But if we can meet the conflict and drop in and understand, wait, how am I misunderstanding you or not really getting where you're coming from? Because once we get that, then the defenses drop, then everything eases, and then there's a a way in which you're closer to your partner in a way that you weren't before. So I offer this invitation to start to, number one, look at your views around conflict. Do you avoid it? Do you think it's bad? Do you think you're wrong if you have it in your relationship? Just start to notice those things and get curious around how seeing moments where conflict can bring people closer if you meet it well. And this is what can happen truly in your relationship. The tools I'm going to share today, I've split up in basically two sections. The first two tools are... things that apply to when you're already in the fight or the drama or the heated moment. And then the other section, the last two tools are around things you can do to prevent even getting in the painful drama cycle to begin with. The first tool I'm going to share today is the power of the pause. So a pause is something you can do at any point in a conversation And it's useful to invite or request a pause once you notice that you are triggered, both of you are triggered, things are feeling off, it's tense, it's painful, um, it's really charged, maybe some agreements have been broken in how you want to communicate. And basically, it's just you notice that it's not going well. And as tempting as it is to keep engaging in the kind of battle mindset or to indulge the trigger, it's it's truly one of the hardest things to choose something else. But it is so possible and it gets easier the more you do it. But once you notice, wow, this is getting heated, this is not, we're missing each other still, this is unproductive. This is where you request a pause. And you can have a code name for it in your relationship. Asking for a pause has worked for myself and some of my clients because it's a little it's a little neutral. Um, instead of being like, stop, <laughs> you know, so it's like, hey, I think we could use a pause. But really use whatever works for you. It is important that it's a neutral word that you both get and respond to. And it is helpful to, I will say this, if, if you're able to, to talk about a pause with your partner before you're engaged in a fight, so it, both, it registers to both of you what's happening, but it's not necessary. And so how this works is that when you notice, like I said, things are heated, things are feeling off, there's a lot of tension, you ask for a pause. 
And the thing is, is, is that it's important to request for a pause and not do it in a, a blamey way. You don't want to lace this with finger pointing. Um, the key is saying something like, hey, it's feeling like this conversation isn't going that great, or it feels like we're really missing each other, or there's a lot of tension in the space, or um, come back to your experience, you can just name, hey, I'm noticing I'm really charged and triggered right now. I would really, uh, I need to take a pause, or I'd love for us to take a pause right now. The other part of requesting a pause is that it's important that you articulate when you're coming back. The old tendency is to not mention that you're taking a pause and storming out of the room and slamming the door, right? <laughs> That's when it escalates. But sometimes it can be more subtle that you just like disengage from the conversation, go over to the other side of the room and do the, the silent treatment, right? Um, and, and that doesn't work. And the reason that doesn't work is because, number one, it's not clear and conscious that you're taking a pause and it's reactive, it's coming from your defenses. And if you're not articulating when you're coming back or what you're doing, your partner is going to feel dropped. They're going to feel abandoned in some way, especially if that's a sensitive thing for them. And they're going to feel like it's not important to you anymore. Like what you're trying to hash out, you don't care about. And so all those things are only going to add more pain and drama and hurt into your relationship or into that moment. So what I suggest is mention the need for a pause and then articulate what you're doing and when you'll be back. So it could be like, hey, sweetheart, I'm, or if you can't say sweetheart, just like do your best. Okay, I'm really charged right now. I'm really realizing, I'm realizing I need to take a pause. I'm going to go in the other room and I'll come back in five minutes and we'll, we'll, reunite and start again or whatever it is whatever amount of time feels at least like something you can commit to to check back in and the pause doesn't have to be that you leave the room uh that's up for your discernment so sometimes if it's not too charged yet you can have a pause and you both maybe just breathe for a minute stay in the room together and just drop in for a second and stop the momentum of what wasn't working and then come back together. But sometimes you do really need to be in your own space and really remove yourself from the conversation for a little bit. So in that case, you'll go into another room. Sometimes you'll take a walk. Whatever feels like would help you, like I said, disengage from the conversation and really connect back into yourself. Now, the key is when you take a pause, it's important that you are connecting with yourself and feeling your feelings, tuning into whatever you need to do to get back into your heart or at least get centered again. And if you're really heated and have a lot of emotion, this is your time to work through that and release the charge. So sometimes that could mean just crying for a minute. That could mean punching a pillow. That could mean going on a very vigorous walk. So doing whatever you need to move the energy and connect back in with yourself. A pause doesn't really work if you pause and the whole time you're just staying closed off and 
and thinking over and over about all the ways they're wrong and shitty, and then you come back together, right? It's, you're just going to be right back where you started. So the pause is the time to reconnect back in with yourself, and there is there is medicine in just taking space, taking a breather from the conversation. That is helpful. So that's the power of the pause. And when you get back together, I'll be talking about the next tool. But my biggest invitation here is to practice noticing when a pause is needed and using that muscle to to not indulge or not stay in the dynamic and the fight. It's so tempting. There's a reason why we stay in it. There's something kind of satisfying at some level of indulging the trigger or the charge and proving right or wrong and staying in that sort of battle mindset. And ultimately, you need to connect to your devotion to not doing things this way anymore, to getting that it's painful and it doesn't work. And from that place, you kind of grow the the muscle strength to to it's like a cultivating of the courage to be like oh okay we need a pause let's try something different so tool number two is repairing and acknowledging takeaways so this one comes right after the first with good reason because this is really helpful after a pause and you come back together But it's also something that is important in any sort of communication or conversation. After a conflict, especially one that's gotten heated, it's really important to do some repair work. So oopses happen, right? We're human, we're growing, we're learning, we get heated and defended sometimes. And the good news is you don't have to be perfect to have a great relationship, but you do need to be willing to do repair work, to own up to your mistakes and do the inner work and the outside work to reconnect. So the repairing and acknowledging takeaways, it's something that you can do after a pause and you're coming back together. So if the conversation itself didn't go well or there was some hurtful things said, It's good to go right into repair mode when you get together to set yourself up well to restart. So if a conversation gets really painful, but you never repair what it what just happened in the conversation itself, you both can be moving from a place of hurt or unacknowledgement that you're just carrying over from the actual conversation itself, sometimes not even the actual content of what you were having a conflict about. So after a pause, take a moment to see, okay, is there anything we kind of need to repair from that heated conversation? And it can be something simple like, hey, I'm, I'm really sorry I was yelling earlier. Uh, I was just really frustrated and scared, and I know it doesn't feel good to receive, and you don't deserve that. Um, I'm, I'm really sorry. I'm going to do my best to not raise my voice again. So something like that can instantly soften the other person. Repair is also really good if the topic at large could use some tending to. For example, if your conflict began because you guys were talking about something that happened at dinner last week with your mother-in-law and something that felt really off and your, your attempt was to exchange like, hey, I felt, you know, that didn't feel good, what happened there, 
what's going on with how you relate to your mom and how you relate to me. There, there could be lots of layers in this example. But as you come back together and talk, drop into just looking at, is there something that I need to acknowledge about how my actions affected the other person? Is there some sort of repair that you can do some repair work of, oh, where did the hurt happen? Where did we lose each other? Where did we miss each other? Where was I being an ass, you know? And when you are doing repair work, it's really important to acknowledge how your actions affected your partner. Speak to the tenderness inside of you. Speak to the scared part, the vulnerable part in you, or even the wounded part of you, the unconscious part that was fueling your actions. So we don't need to act like we don't have unintegrated parts of ourselves or hurt places inside of us. We just have to acknowledge, hey, I'm really sorry. You know, I dropped you in that conversation at dinner. It's I have a really um, confusing relationship with my mom and I get really scared she's going to yell at me and I'm, I'm going to work on that, but I'm so sorry that's what was had the steering wheel for me and I get that that's shitty. I'm really sorry about that, right? So the intention with repair work is really get to the heart of the matter, get to the tenderness, get to the scared part and just acknowledge and take responsibility, And in this sort of repair work, I also suggest that you resist the urge to criticize or punish or correct little details to be right. I mean, of course, if there's something really big that the person's not addressing that you feel affected by, of course, mention that. But within someone's effort to repair or apologize, don't go into, oh, well, you missed this part a little bit, or, you know, da-da-da-da-da. Just notice that, see, as much as you can, just take it in, sit in the burn a little bit. If there's some part of you that really wants to correct or even punish, just really tune into yourself and recognize, wow, that criticism and that punishing energy doesn't, doesn't serve us. And then, you know, bookmark it. Oh, what's fueling that? punishing energy? Is there some place in me that just really needs to be acknowledged or really doesn't feel heard? And from that place, that's your next step for communication. But the, the punishment and criticism, it doesn't, it doesn't work, trust me. So the other part of this tool is around takeaways. So a way that we can use conflict for good is that we actually learn from it, right? So It's important at the end of a conversation to make space for paying attention to and speaking, hey, what did we learn from this? Like, what are are our takeaways? And then also, what sort of agreements or changes or actions can we each do together and individually to set ourselves up well, to not repeat this dynamic again or the place that we missed each other in the first place? be helpful to zoom out a little bit and view your relationship and your individual journeys as a whole and think, what did I learn from this? What is this illuminating for me or for us? What needs to be realigned here? What changes can we make, agreements, different actions, routines, whatever it is to, to set us up well? 
And this is so helpful because it's like you're harvesting the gems from something that was really hard. And if you just go through the hard thing but don't take a moment to acknowledge the the benefit or the gold from that hardship, you're you're kind of missing a part of it. And you might even think it's obvious, but I'm telling you, it can just be so powerful to name it. And from here, I find that it's really helpful once you've kind of resolved, you've repaired, you've acknowledged the takeaways, go ahead and just sprinkle a little gratitude on top and kind of switch channels the best you can. So you can't process forever. Um, You'll definitely hit a threshold. And I'll talk about that um, actually in another episode coming up. But just pay attention to when you're like, okay, we, we got everything we could from this. We've got the takeaways. We've repaired the best we could. It might take a little bit for us to soften and get back in the groove, but we did what we could. Now let's just switch channels. Let's go on with our day. Let's watch a TV show. Let's put on music. Let's just go into a different room. So just kind of switch channels and see how you can sprinkle some gratitude for the other person. It really goes such a long way. Okay, so the second half of this episode are about the tools you can use to avoid having those heated conversations in the first place. So tool number three, it's really, I guess all these tools are layered and there are many tools in one, but tool number three is around considering your timing, checking for assumptions, and making agreements. When you're realizing you want to share something, have a conversation, drop in, and especially if it's something that you recognize is a little sensitive for you or complicated in a certain way or could be sensitive for your partner, it's important that you set yourself up well. So that involves considering your timing, checking for your assumptions, and make agreements in advance. So I'll break that down a little bit. So considering your timing, it's exactly what it sounds like. So thinking about what is the optimal environment or qualities that need to be in place for us to have this conversation well, to set us up well. So things to consider would be like, does it seem important to have this conversation sober? Um, Is it optimal that we feel energized or have a clear state of mind? Um, some things to consider and it can go into like environment, right? Is this a conversation that I want to have at the dinner table? Is this a conversation I want to have in public? Is this a conversation I want to have in the privacy of our home? Right? So these are all things to consider and it's really your discernment when you think about, you know, what you need and the nature of the conversation, And it's important here because you want to be conscious about it. When we aren't thinking about it, sometimes the pressure of wanting to talk about something will just blurt it out, right, in a really inopportune time. And some classic ways that can happen is like bringing up a really sensitive topic right before bed, um, right when the person gets home from work and they're freaking exhausted and haven't had a moment to like come into themselves, Um, Or maybe you or the other person have just had a really draining day already. So throwing on another process or emotional thing wouldn't really set yourself up well. Um, Or maybe you're in a really distracted environment. 
um, where there's like a lot of people around or maybe kids are in and out. Um, these are all things to consider and, you know, nothing's ever perfect, but you can really optimize things. And of course, if it's time sensitive, think about that. But generally, there's a little spaciousness of, of how you choose to have this conversation. And so sometimes you might need to plan it out with your partner. And sometimes it's just you looking for a good opportunity, a good moment, right? So if you have really full schedules, um, I was working with a client on this the other day. They both had really full schedules. And so they actually needed to talk about a plan of when to have this conversation. And I know it can be hard to break the ice and you don't want to freak the other person out. There's ways you can articulate it that aren't so scary but it could be something like hey love I, I want to talk to you about something or I have something I really want to drop in with you about or you could talk about the topic if if that feels relevant like hey I really want to talk about um, our weekend plans and and I want to do it like when we're at home or a time where we really have the energy to have a really good conversation around it. Um, when would be a good time in your schedule that we could do that? And sometimes I know it can be annoying to actually have to put a conversation in the books, but it's going to really save you so much time and energy from the, the attempts of having the conversation and it not go well and you keep trying to have the conversation over and over. And something that I'll say here is just pay attention, start to notice if you have any tendencies to bring up heavy conversations at really inopportune times. And, and the key here is just to notice it, right? Be like, huh, that's so interesting. <laughs> I just did that. And once you see it, you can catch it and, and work with whatever materials inside of you that was fueling that. Or usually it's fear underneath there, something tinder for you to to really be with so for me for example I used to have the habit and sometimes I still do it you know (laughs) just happens sometimes but I would have the habit of bringing up a really heavy conversation with lots of logistical things right before bed like I'm talking heads on the pillow we're almost headed to sleep and then I would say, hey, can I ask you something? (laughs) Um, And it would never go well because I'm actually exhausted. My partner is freaking exhausted and we just don't have the capacities to go there. And then what happens is you start going into your sleep time. So then it gets even more tense and more scary. And you're just like, fuck, I'm missing, like I've missed like 30 minutes of sleep I really need because we're having this conversation and now it's up and it's important and we both can't go to sleep until it's resolved, but it's not going well, I'm sure. I know I'm not the only one here. So just being aware that you have that tendency is like so paramount. It can help shift so many things and catch the tendency, see what's fueling it. Um, And this can be a whole area of growth for you, but really just to start, notice it, notice it, catch it and try something else on. Okay, so the other part of this tool, which is really (laughs) three tools in one, is checking for assumptions. So what this really means is scanning through any assumptions that you have about what your partner 
thinks, knows, or feels. So is it really true that he knows this? Is it really true that she feels this way? What do they, what am I assuming they know, but maybe they don't actually know, right? Like, am I assuming they know that I had a ton of work meetings today and I'm just like so stressed out? Am I assuming they know my preferences? Am I assuming they know my sensitivities around XYZ? So start to scan through and get in their shoes and start to feel into what their perspective is. And if there's something that you're just assuming that they feel, this is a big one. So we can we can communicate from a place of assuming that your partner is angry at you, or you can communicate from a place of assuming, assuming that they don't care about you. The best way, you know, what happens with part of checking for assumptions is doing a reality check, asking questions. Hey, I'm, I'm like perceiving that you are like pissed about XYZ. Is that true? Or how do you feel about this? Ask questions. And then also if you just, if it's clear and you recognize like, oh, I, there's no way they would know how my day was today because I haven't told them. There's no way they would know. That can be the invitation for you to simply share and let your partner in on your reality, on your internal space, or you know, just how your day was, or your history. So your partner doesn't always know that a certain thing could be a hot topic or really scary for you unless you let them in, unless you let them know. Okay, so the other part of this tool is making agreements for a conversation. This can be super helpful as you're entering into a conversation, or you can talk about it when there's, you can make agreements when there's nothing pressing, but you just want to set yourself up well. And the key here is to talk about these agreements before things get heated or tense. And if you have agreements that you both are aware of, number one, you can do your best to both uphold them, but then you're also both aware if an agreement gets broken and you can both acknowledge it and be on the same page. So this can look like a couple different things. A great one is that you have an agreement to not interrupt each other. So this is an awesome one because being interrupted never feels good. And so if you have this agreement, you're both aiming for that. And if someone interrupts, it can be a simple reminder like, hey, like you just interrupted a little bit and we were really aiming to not do it. Then the other person can be like, oh, crap, you're right. I totally broke that agreement. My bad. Other things that can be helpful as agreements could be no yelling or cursing. Maybe there's certain words that are really, really sensitive to the other person. So you could have an agreement to not say that word. Another agreement that I suggest for couples is to stay on topic during a conversation. So there can be such a tendency to (laughs) bring up other unresolved issues once you get into a conversation. 
So you could be talking about some family dynamic, and then once that's brought up, one person's like, oh, speaking of, you actually did this last week at your family, and I wasn't cool with that, and we haven't resolved it, so now I'm going to mention that. And, and then it becomes this, <laughs> this really awful fire of where you're just each adding different logs into the fire that have totally different things to address, but now they're all piled in and tangled. It's really important to stay on topic. So if you're talking about one issue or one situation, do your best to not bring up other unresolved shit from the past. One thing at a time. And if something else does come up, just bookmark it. Or if one person starts to go on like derail and bring up some other issue, all it takes is saying, oh, okay, that is unresolved from the past. I get that that's important. Can we bookmark that? I get that it's important. Can we bookmark this and talk about it tomorrow or after we get through this one? And that is going to help. That's going to help a lot. <laughs> so, in, and like I said, it's going to be unique to each couple, but just start to think about it and mention it to your partner and go from there. So tool number four is self-responsibility. And this is something that I advise that you carry throughout every conversation and just a way of living, of taking self-responsibility. But in terms of being in a conversation and communication, it means you're really almost radically responsible for your experience and your feelings. So even though you can definitely communicate the realness of your experience and how another person's actions affected you or impacted you. The truth is that no one can make you feel anything. So it's important to, to articulate just your experience and what feelings are up for you. Um, things can get really messy once you start to go into blame. And I'll talk about that more in a second. Another piece of self-responsibility is to really acknowledge and almost honor your own triggers or your own charge. So the more that you can acknowledge that and honor it, you kind of take responsibility for it in a way that is really helpful to a dynamic. So it can just be like, wow, I'm really charged here. Like this is, I'm kind of exploding here. Or when I say a trigger, I'm basically meaning like, that you're having an emotional response that's really charged and that is a bit out of proportion to the context of what's really happening. So the more that you can acknowledge that, it it goes into a space of also acknowledging, wow, I think this is coming from something that was already inside of me and that this situation is just triggering it to come up in like full blast to be really revealed and out of more of a dormant state taking responsibility for this in a way helps you claim your work claim what's inside of you and that is so helpful for a conversation Another piece of taking self-responsibility is really just owning up to your choices, to your mess-ups, taking responsibility for your biases, even taking responsibility for your unconscious actions. Sometimes just naming, hey, you know what, I was just totally being unconscious there. Here it is, you know. Blame and finger-pointing is a surefire way to have 
the walls go up and for everyone to get defensive. And how do you, you know, it's, it's, it's like a natural instinct to defend ourselves when we're being blamed. So just avoiding blame and the finger pointing in your communication is going to go a long way and is going to help everything soften. And like I said, this isn't not, not blaming doesn't mean you just take everything on and you don't name how someone's actions affected you but it's not this blamey energy you did this to me da 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 you're wrong all that stuff and I really encourage you to stick to your own experiences saying phrases like from my experience blah 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 or I was perceiving this or I was feeling this when this happened those are all phrases to help you Take a little of the responsibility of your experience, your feelings, and your choices. Another piece of responsibility in conversation and communication is being responsible for the energy. So yes, paying attention to the words you're saying, but also the energy you're putting out and the tone of your words. So are you really, do you have like a really jabbing, punishing energy? Um that's a huge one to look out for, right? Like how's your delivery? How's your energy in the moment? What's the energy behind the words and your tone? So tune into that. That can be a sneaky way where you're kind of putting or dumping your stuff onto your partner. Okay, so those are the four tools to help you go from fighting to delighting. And if you made it to the end, I'm so glad you did. And those are really more like 10 tools wrapped up in four, but they're just essential. And I hope that they help you and support your relationship and your love life. Remember that these are things to aim for. They are practices. So be sweet with yourself as you try them on. And of course, shoot me a message if you have a question. Thank you for tuning in to today's show. If you have a question that's been sparked in your heart from this episode, shoot me a DM on Instagram at underscore honey in the heart. I'd love to connect. And of course, if you are loving the podcast, leave a review and subscribe to the show so you can receive fresh episodes right when they drop. Until next time.